Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lease A Sales Rep, an Inc. 5000 sales outsourcing company, helping organizations increase sales by securing qualified leads, guaranteed appointments with decision makers, and closing sales face-to-face or over the phone across the U.S. Today, I have the honor and privilege in chatting with and interviewing Scott Wingo, CEO of Spiffy, and Spiffy is spelled S P I. FFY, and on-demand car wash and oil change service. Think of it as an Uber type of service for car washes and oil changes, uh, serving consumers at their place of business and home, and also serving uh, them, uh, serving corporate customers. The website is getspiffy.com. You can also download the app at the Google Play Store, or if you have a, uh, uh, an Apple device, the Apple Store, download the app. Scott is also the chairman and co-founder of Channel Advisor, a publicly traded e-commerce technology uh, company uh, serving many e-commerce clients across the world. And he built that company, I believe, with David Spitz and took that company public. Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me today. Excited to talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about. Well, I appreciate that, Scott. Did I get all the facts right? <laughs> correct, correct me if I got something wrong here. No, that was good. I'm going to hire you to be my uh, introducer at all events going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You are, you are too kind. Um, congratulations on your $5 million round of funding. And I know this happened some time ago. I think it's probably a year ago. Uh, tell us about that and how you got there. How'd that happen? Yeah, so we, um, so we started Spiffy as just kind of an idea in 2014 just to test the market. Uh, so I, I had invested in a car wash in 2003 and then 2005. So I've been in the car washing biz, as it were, for 15 years. Um, and then uh, at Channel Advisor, you know, we saw the birth of and had a front row seat at e-commerce going from zero to, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, the way I think about it is we've seen products go digital and I think we're going to see services go digital. Remember that first time you used, you know, the Uber app to order a car and you were shocked right when it came there. And, uh, you know, as a consumer, I think just like the, you now have the control when you're shopping for products, you're going to want that control when you do services. Mm -hmm. So to test that theory, we kind of said, you know, we, we understand car washing and there's a hole in the market. Let's just test it. So 2014, we started Spiffy, came up with the brand, and just launched an app to see what happened. And it, what we learned, kind of a short story, is we learned that people love their car wash while they're at work. Uh, and that makes sense because, you know, when is your car sitting most idle? It's those eight hours a day when you're sitting at the, at the office. Um, so wouldn't it be nice to have something done while you're sitting and you're, you know, doing your conference calls and whatnot? Um, that's the opposite of how it works in the typical car wash world. In the typical car wash world, it's 85% weekends, 15% evenings, nothing nine to five. So we're like, okay, this is why you, you test these things. And ultimately, we, we figured out that this Office Park channel is really amazing and it works great for us. Uh, we expanded into Charlotte and Atlanta. And then we figured it was time to raise some funding. So we were able to show some investors all the growth we had and a bunch of ideas. And they, they signed on and we raised a $5 million Series A at the end of 2016. We announced it in early 17. Wow, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And you started in the South. And I guess then with the funding, you kind of went southwest, west coast, right, uh, across the country. 
uh, and and uh, opening up, I guess, uh, locations uh, over there. And I, I remember when you started, it was primarily a, and maybe the core business is well, most of the business probably is uh, is car wash on demand. And you had you started adding some additional services, the oil changes and the like. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm a, um, you know, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur, but I have a pretty limited playbook. And, and uh, you know, page one of it is pretty much, you know, get some customers and then try to sell them more stuff. <laughs> so at Channel Advisor, for example, we started with helping people sell on marketplaces like eBay mm-hmm. and Amazon. And then they would say, can you help me with comparison shopping engines? Can you help me with international marketplaces? Can you help me with my search business? Can you help me with this, that, and the other? Um, so the same thing applies at Spiffy. So when we you know, Wash was pretty successful. And then we started asking folks, what else would you want? And, you know, they, uh, you know, uh, one of the more popular ones is also on-demand fueling. We, we've tried that. that that's kind of really complicated and very low margin and it has a lot of regulatory issues. Um, so, so we kind of sidelined that. And the second thing people asked for uh, was oil change. Uh, another one people ask for a lot is uh, inspections here in North Carolina. As you know, we have to have our cars inspected every year. And it's this super painful process. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 10 to 2 and you're busy 5, you know, and you have to just sit there for hours and hours. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, there's a state regulation that makes that be in a shop. So, we're, we would love for that to be something we could do also. Uh, but another regulatory hurdle for that one. Wow. Um, yeah, so you're looking at uh, what the needs of the customers are and trying to meet that market demand, given that you're already out there anyway, uh, seeing these customers, right? Yeah, you know, um, in, in the B2B context or in a consumer context, you spend all this money to acquire a customer. And a lot of companies just like, you know, they grow their business by acquiring more customers, which is good. But, you know, if you look at the, the typical equation we use, either a SaaS business or in a, you know, a consumer business is the ratio of the cost to acquire a customer to the lifetime value. A lot of people spend all their time on the cost to acquire the customer, which is good. You want to get that down. But it actually multiplies if you can get that LTV up. So you know, that, that's kind of the simple reason that page of my playbook tends to work really well is if I can you know, get you to buy more stuff from me and you're a customer, then the economics just multiply for you. So uh, you know, I think that's a general business lesson that, that for everybody that, that you know, the, take some portion of your effort and put it into increasing the lifetime value of the customer versus just the acquisition side. Oh, absolutely. And uh, to make it even more real simple, on the sales side, it's kind of like the upsell, uh, providing additional services to your existing client base. You buy a car from a franchise dealer, uh, they have service. So you come back, hopefully, for the service department, and then you stay uh, sticky with the uh, the dealership, and then they turn around, buy, sell another car, buy tires. So you, again, you're servicing the same customer. That's the idea. Right. Um, and, and I was thinking about your ideal customer and uh, and I'm thinking about the car wash industry, as you use laid out. Uh, they're mostly busy on the weekends, less in the evenings. But the I, I'm driving around town in, 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 in North Carolina, New York, Florida, and you see these types of car washes. You see the freestanding car wash. Right. Uh, where you go in, you wait online, you go through the car wash, you come out, and you may be there, depending upon how busy it is, it could be 45 minutes, an hour by the time you get out. Then you got the American Pride customer, right? Uh, that's a self, you take the brush and you self do, you do it yourself, right? Uh, you got that kind of customer, and then you got the, in the back to the car wash, you get the detail customer, the one that comes in and pays 30 bucks 
to get the car washed inside interior tires windows everything um you got that kind of customer uh, and uh, so i'm thinking your customer is someone that is looks for to pay uh, pay for a more detailed personal service to save time time is important for them uh, and you, 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 they're going to pay more for that is that is that accurate yeah yeah that's a that's a really good representation and there's uh, it's pretty interesting so in the world of e-commerce um, there's all these studies now that show the recession the of 2008-2009 in the US really caused this this thing called the bifurcation sometimes people call it the wealth uh, gap um, I don't it doesn't 100% match that so I don't like to call it that mm. but what happened is half the US population said their reaction to the recession was I don't like having a mortgage or any debt I'm gonna save every penny and I'm going to become debt-free which, which is great um, and that's the value-oriented consumer uh, and then another set of people said I work really hard and I've worked all weekends during their session I I want my time back and I'm willing to pay for convenience. That's the convenience oriented consumer. Now the convenience oriented people didn't, do tend to be more affluent. So it's more like 80% of the wallet, 20% of the wallet versus 50, 50. And you really see this in the retail world. So in the retail world, there's a set of stores that are doing really well. Um, and that, that is the dollar stores. So when everyone else is closing stores, dollar stores are opening like crazy. And that's that value oriented consumer. TJ Maxx is doing really well. The wholesale clubs are doing well. Uh, even when you look at the luxury stores, Nordstrom and Saks, their, their outlets are doing well, but their main stores aren't. Uh, then you have um, uh, the other stores that are doing well are super convenient. So Amazon uh, and then all these new things are soaking up a lot of the money in the economy. Uber, Instacart, uh, Postmates, all those things that are convenience in your life. What's really suffering in the retail world is if you're not value-oriented or convenient, like a mall now, malls used to be convenient, but now they're inconvenient in the world of Amazon when things come to you, those are the ones that are really struggling. Macy's is struggling, uh, Toys R Us is struggling because they're neither value-oriented or convenient. So if you really don't fit one of those two models today, it's really a struggle. So that's what we've learned from the e-commerce, and that, that is our customer at Spiffy. You know, we are not a $3 car wash, the person that's wanting and we're not a do-it-yourself kind of thing. We're a do-it-for-me, convenience-oriented. And the way I think about that, it looks a lot like the Amazon Prime user. So it tends to be a household income of over 100,000 is one cluster. And then the other cluster, and this always surprises people, uh, it's millennials. Our number one segment at Spiffy is female millennials. Uh, and the reason why is millennials tend to have a lot of money to spend because they don't buy a lot of stuff. You know, they're not caught up in physical goods. But spending time with their friends is really important. They're always active on social. They want their car to look good. So that's our number one segment is millennials. Wow. You would think it would be, uh, didn't even think, I didn't occur to me it would be that population. I thought it would be guys like you and me. <laughs> yeah. Who, I mean, I'm sure you have customers in that space too, obviously, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So that's, so millennial males and females are our top two demographics and then it ends up being, you know, um, you know, household incomes of folks that are later in their careers. Right. Yeah. Well said. I would have said that a lot differently. Uh, as older folk, kind of gray hair. Wiser. Wiser. The wiser audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got you. So the um, Get Spiffy, uh, and, and obviously you take advantage of this kind of on-demand economy where uh, what I also call a digital disruption, right? Um, it, where uh, everybody wants stuff when they want it on their schedule, a la, um, you know, the Netflix, the Hulu, 
the Uber, the Lyft. Uh, I want stuff on the my terms and my timeline. Uh, and uh, the car industry, obviously, the, the Carvanas of the world. I mean, everybody is trying to fit into this on-demand kind of economy uh, where um, when I want it at my, on my timeline. So there's this digital disruption of changing the model um, to meet the needs of the consumer. And that happened with Amazon, obviously eBay. Uh, people started ordering stuff online, moving away from, from traditional stores. Uh, it's a fractional, um, let's say Uber, Uber cars, Lyft, all that kind of stuff, kind of fractional services. And it, it seems to be the economy is moving that way. Um, but do you see, I guess, in your core business, the, you know, obviously the, the spiffy, but the oil changes and the car wash, do you see the traditional car washes going away or are you just going to continue to service a certain segment of the population? Yeah, I think there's two things. I think we, we can pick away some of those people that, for, you know, they, you know, we, you know, one, one story we hear when I, we get a lot of feedback from customers. So 85% of our customers leave feedback, which is great. Um, and I read all those comments. The most common comment is I'll never wait in the car wash line again. So, so I do think we're picking off those people that are convenience oriented, but they don't have another option. So we've given them an option and now they're like, oh my God, this is an hour back of time. That's a really nice thing to have in my life. Um, so, but then I do think there's another segment we're picking up, like those millennial males and females. You never see them at physical car washes, you know, because they're, they're, they're definitely, you know, they're busy on weekends and it's just really not their thing. And uh, they hate that experience. They don't like, you know, the tipping. And there's just like a lot about that experience they don't like. So I think we've picked up uh, probably half our business is, is coming out of the traditional car wash where, wanted an option that's more convenient that wasn't available. And another half is I think we're activating people that just really aren't washing their car right now at the, you know, at the rate they probably should. Wow. Yeah. Do you, um, I guess when you, when you, uh, going back to your channel advisor days, obviously you got, you built that from the ground up and then you went public, right? And now you're at Spiffy, um, and, uh, you got financing and, and, you know, we don't know what the exit strategy here, but typically, usually <laughs> the exit strategy is at some point to, uh, potentially a uh, go public after you get scale. So, um, for those who are listening that obviously have this, uh, desire to get financing through the angels and the venture guys and the seed guys, you know, those kind of people, they, for you, for me, looking outside, looking in with you, Scott. The, the people who have done it, decided to invest in Spiffy A, they believed in the model, right? They saw the opportunity. They believed in the management team because you're basically a horse that has already won, right? They, they, like, they like to invest in a, in a horse that's going to potentially win the race because you did it with Channel. So they're going to say, okay, this guy, he's got some, some experience already. Let's go with him. Um, so, do, do, you know, that, that, I guess, um, they saw the opportunity in the marketplace with you, and obviously for Spiffy, and I, I'm assuming the goal at some point is to grow scale. I saw some stuff overseas as well. You had some postings about something you acquired. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you went West Coast overseas. Um, so um, I, threw, I just threw a lot at you just now, so uh, uh, please respond. Yeah, so, um, so you know, I, I work with a lot of startups, Startups, and you know, it is important to think about the exit strategy. But you know, some people get so obsessed with the exit strategy, they kind of miss the part of getting there. They put the cart in front of the horse. So, so another page in my playbook is you know, spend 99% of your time building a great business, and then the outcome will, will kind of come along. 
Um, that being said, you do need to talk to investors about it. And, you know, most, most companies, um, you know, when you raise venture capital, you are kind of signing up that there'll be some kind of an exit. And the, the two most popular are M&A and, and IPO kind of a thing. Uh, you're not going to be kind of like, you know, uh, a large private company that never returns capital to the, the right. kind of turn off one of those possible outcomes. Um, so, you know, the, the way I try to explain it is that, you know, we think there's no national car wash brand. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts around coffee. There's like 800 restaurants. There's five lube places. There's all these things, but there's no car wash national brand. So we think that, you know, our big aspiration is let's go build that. And if we do, that could be a very large independent company. Um, along the way, you know, what we do think is this on-demand economy is going to be hot and um, there's going to be a series of possible acquirers. We don't know what that looks like, but, you know, there's going to be on-demand economy companies that go public. So I think Uber will go public, Lyft. Um, there's some home service companies that will go public. Uh, maybe WAG goes public. And all those guys are going to say, what else can we tuck in? So that could be a possible exit for us. Um, what we're seeing in the world of e-commerce is you're starting to see, I call them kind of the, the analog dinosaurs are buying the digital DNA and putting it together. So Walmart bought Jet, Ikea bought TaskRabbit. Um, we're seeing a lot of the food delivery companies get picked up by grocery stores. Uh, Unilever bought Dollar Shave Club. So I do think there's a series of old school businesses that could be very interested in Spiffy. Uh, and then I think some of the e-commerce businesses are gonna look at this and say, you know, there's a lot of connectivity tissue here between you know, digital services and digital um, um, products, what does that look like? So Amazon, Walmart, and, and all those kind of folks, you know, I think they eventually keep an eye on this space and see what's going on. Wow. Yeah, we see a lot of market shifts, uh, going back to the digital disruption kind of term, uh, and we see a lot of shifting there. And one of the areas that what I wanted to ask you about for the audience is, is there a shift happening in the uh, auto repair space um, where we, we see it happening in the auto parts space where you go to an, an advanced auto or the auto zone or some other, depending upon whoever's listening to this cross country, whoever your local pet boys, and you go there to buy an item, uh, uh, alternator for your car, costs 140 bucks. You go online to basically an online place, uh, Rock Auto, for example, I'll give you a name, and you'll get it for like 60 bucks. And, and, and they'll deliver it within 24 hours. Now, your car may not work for that day because you, you need the alternator. But if you can wait a day, you can you know, get that part in and then get a mobile mechanic to come in and fix your car. And you know, we see that happening, again, digital disruption with some of these traditional like auto parts places generally and when you look at the uh their 10 Qs and what's going on they've been hit with some kind of challenges from amazon as well so i see opportunity there i mean i don't know what your thoughts on that but that's an instance you're in that oil change car uh, you were doing gas but you tried to decide not to do that but and, and cleaning cars it's similar in nature obviously a lot more involved but what are your thoughts yeah, yeah, there's definitely huge changes going on uh, all around the auto industry. So, yeah, at Channel Advisor, one of our largest segments is auto parts, um, and there's tons of consumers that love to order their auto parts. So, so same store sales at auto parts stores are down 20, 30%. There's too many of them. 
they're kind of like drug stores have just gone through a consolidation. I think the auto parts stores are going to go through a big consolidation and you'll probably see half of them close over time. There's just too many of them. You know, you go in these towns and there's one on every corner. It's crazy. Um, so, but that, that, that's kind of the, that consumer that's going to order from the store or even e-commerce is more of that value oriented consumer. They're a do it myself, do it, do it myself kind of a customer at DY. Um, that's probably not our customer at Spiffy. Um, you know, our customer wants us to kind of like, you know, come and help diagnose and then solve it and kind of, they don't have time to go, you know, get their hands dirty and, and change the carburetor or whatever it is. Um, but right. they're... Uh, another thing that's really happening in the car world is the ownership's changing, right? So there's all these uh, companies now. Some of them are the, uh, the manufacturers and some of them are third parties. Uh, so, for example, Porsche has this thing they're piloting where you just pay Porsche X dollars a month and then you can, you can, you can get whatever Porsche you want uh, any week. So let's say it's a week and you have your kids and you're going on a trip. You could have one of the more SUV-type vehicles. But then let's say your kids are at camp and you want to go to the beach with your wife. You can get a convertible 911 um, and you just call and, you know, they bring it to you and take away the old one. Um, so that's going to be that convenience oriented consumer is kind of moving away from car ownership, which is really interesting. And they want the convenience of, yeah, I'm in the SUV mode or I would like, you know, I've never driven a Jeep. I'd like to try one of those. So there's a lot of really interesting things going on in the car world on the, on the convenience side. And it, a lot of it looks more like, um, how do we come to you and solve your problems? And then also, how do we make car ownership more fun and you know less of all about I'm going to have this vehicle for six years kind of thing? Fractional car ownership almost is what it looks like. Sounds like to me Uber esque kind of model. Uh, yeah, I saw the reports on that, um, and they were throwing out six to seven hundred bucks a month as a potential membership fee uh, for that, and that's that's really going to take a certain customer <laughs> right um so you the, the the time convenience type of customer the uh parts there though just like a lot of things and i think it may come you know you can see it kind of like starting at the luxury guys and then you know what if it was a honda or toyota for 300 bucks a month and you could have you know a toyota forerunner one day a camry another day and you know maybe you've always wanted to try i don't know a truck and you know so so i do think that um you know, the car, you know, if the economics work, if they can kind of get that, if you're kind of used to that monthly payment and instead of it going towards this vehicle that depreciates rapidly, you just think of it as, you know, that's just what I pay to have access to any kind of vehicle that it gets kind of interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there's so many uh, things going on in the on-demand economy, just so many opportunities and people throwing their ideas out there and coming up with ways to meet uh, consumer demand and obviously uh, generate revenue and build companies and make them go public or not, depending upon what they're doing. Uh, the Your customer, when you talked about Spiffy, your customer right now is the millennials and some of the, uh, the more wiser, uh, gray-haired uh, people. Uh, uh, the um, Are these customers uh, generally a demanding type of customer, given they're paying a higher end, a higher cost for a service? Do they typically are they are, are do they require more from you? They do. You know, they our customers have high expectations, and um, we do everything we can to meet them. One of the things we've done is we um, we don't get paid until you're happy. So um, the way the process works at Spiffy is you drop your keys off, you order the wash, and then you go about work. So another thing we know about our customers, they don't want their day to be interrupted. 
you may be on like this critical sales call about to close the deal. You don't want us like banging on the door, you know, Hey, Hey, I want you to come look at the car and then, you know, tip me and I'm going to have my hand out kind of thing. So we, we leave you alone. Um, but through the app, you get hundred percent transparency. So just like you can see a pizza being made at Domino's or Papa John's, you can watch us the process. So you drop your keys off, then you get notifications. Spiffy has your car. We've begun the service. We're done with the service. Here's before and after pictures. Then let's say you're, you're a hardworking guy. You leave the office at seven. You go look at the car, you rate, and then you pay. So what we want to do is we, we don't really want to collect your money until you're 100% happy. Um, so let's say you, you see something, you know, you're like, wow, uh, you missed a cup holder or something. We'll come and make that right uh, before you end up paying. So uh, the other nice thing about that system is something like 90% of our customers fill out uh, a rating and review form because um, it's in the process. We, we rate gate payment. So we, you don't pay us until you rate us. Um, and then we get all this data and it helps us improve the process. So for example, in the early days of Spiffy, you know, we got a lot of feedback, a lot of four stars and they're like, my windows are streaky, you know, and you know, we, we, we kind of, you know, we, we figured out what was causing that and, and we use that data to improve the process and, and, um, even down at the technician level. So we know every technician, how they've been rated. So we know, hey, um, you know, hey, Joe, you're, you're doing well and you're a 4.8, but the difference between that and a 5.0 is you're missing these three things. So let's, let's talk about that and let's go do a little quick retraining on that and that'll get you up to a 5.0. So we, we're, we're, we're pretty obsessed with that customer experience. We're, we're never 100%, but we're, we're kind of like that relentless pursuit of perfection. We're always working to how do we get that 100% satisfaction. Wow. So when you're targeting, I guess, from a sales perspective, uh, when you're targeting your ideal customer who it wants convenience, they are willing to pay, right, a, a, a fair price for your service and obviously a good service, um, are you looking at um, particular demographics, obviously, uh, income levels, you're looking at different things that identify that customer for you, right? I'm, I would assume. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So part of it is, you know, your price kind of, um, you know, economically, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to get that $3 wash person. We don't have a $3 wash. So, 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 you know, part of your, your, your menu, your pricing kind of like does some auto segmentation. Uh, you know, you'll, as a sales oriented guy, you'll find this interesting. So the main way we get customers is through office parks. So I, you know, I, the people are, are, our customers prefer to have their car washed while they're at work, which is interesting. So what we do is we, we actually sell to the office parks and those are managed by property managers. Mm -hmm. uh, you're sitting in a really nice building there. Uh, it's probably in a really nice office park. So what we would do is we would go to your property manager and say, uh, you know, the, the folks in this class A office space would love to have um, an amenity um, where they can have their car wash. We can show them a lot of data about, you know, other buildings like theirs where 30 to 40% of the people will use the amenity. So uh, that's, that's our primary sales channel is going through these property managers to get to the office parks and then get to the people in the office parks. I gotcha. And then when you open up a new market or you go into a, uh, let's say now you're in, uh, you're in California, you're in Dallas, you're in LA, you're in Dallas, you're in Atlanta, you're in Raleigh and uh, Charlotte. Right. Okay. So you're in those markets. When you step into, obviously, you started in, in the Raleigh market. But when you step into another market, you're going into the property managers identifying Class A buildings and trying to start the business in that market. And I guess I'm assuming that there's an, there's some rollerball effect at some point where those consumers that are working and their cars clean will 
somehow um, uh, the viral effect, if you will, will have other people kind of refer to, to spiffing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, you know, what's nice is it's, it's kind of what we found is there's, there's maybe like 10 to 20 property management firms that are national and they tend to be in all these markets. So we can say to the folks in Dallas, you know, hey, we work with your colleague that does Charlotte. Uh, and they'll call them and they'll say, yes, this has been a great amenity. So, so it's a very re referable kind of a, a line of business, which is good. Um, the other thing that is interesting is, um, you know, uh, I don't know if your wife is at home or works, but, you know, if, if you're married, regardless of your gender, let's say, uh, let's say you're at work and you get a spiffy and you come home and your significant other sees that your car's clean and, you know, they'll, you know, that, that creates a knock-on effect. Well, I want that at my office building. <laughs> Or I want it at home. So, so most of our at-home business, uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing. I'm a bit of an internet marketing ninja and want to do a lot more around that. But we spend very little on internet marketing because we get this knock-on effect of if we washed your car, then that may make your wife or if you have kids that drive, they don't want their car clean. So that the office park consumer does create some at-home kind of business for those folks that want the service at home. Yeah, and since you're building right now and you're scaling right now and you're going to different markets right now, probably not necessarily important right now to do that. I guess, you know, focusing on that market, office park is probably the most efficient way to do it right now. But as you scale, uh, I'm thinking right now, say, who are the people who appreciate time, convenience, and also love their cars? And I'm thinking of these 911 guys, these Porsches. They are, you know... Uh, they are meticulous. A lot of them are perfectionists about their vehicles. Um, uh, and, and obviously they have the money, the resources to pay for it. So, um, and also the association with uh, uh, fine dining, uh, uh, you know, travel, those kind of higher income kind of people that appreciate, again, appreciate the time factor that if I'm in a car wash for an hour and a half, that's, that's $300. Right, meaning from an hourly perspective. So I'm thinking like that kind of consumer-focused marketing, which is your background, that internet ninja kind of thing, uh, when you're there, right, looking at those uh, potential direct-to-consumer uh, marketing strategies. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so when we do do that, um, you know, we are kind of targeting those areas. And, and there is, a, again, it's a self-selecting thing. You know, our price is such that, you know, yeah. the, Value-oriented consumer is not going to pay, you know, sixty to eighty dollars for us to come to their house and, and do a service. So it does tend to be, you know, the you know, self-selecting. Uh, one thing that's funny is there's this curve where, you know, uh, if people get too far out on that curve, actually their likelihood to use Spiffy goes down. So like exotic car owners that, you know, to your point, they they're very specific about how their vehicle is treated. That's not like our best. You know, we actually turn those folks away a lot of times because they want, you know, they'll say kind of a warning flag for us is they'll say, I want you to do the job, but I want you to use my chemicals because I know exactly what I want in my car. And that's the kind of person that is going to be really a do-it-yourselfer that thinks they're a do-it-for-me. <laughs> so uh, so we, we actually turn those down and we kind of say, you know, you know, we, we appreciate you thinking of us, but you, you know, you're probably going to be really, uh, I'm not sure if we'll be able to meet your expectations of what you want. Gotcha. Yeah, they're probably a, a too in, too demanding type of customer, and your service may not be what they need, and that's fine. Let them DIY, which is fine, and you and you acknowledge it. You know, let them get somebody else. What are some of the challenges that uh, you face right now? Some of the biggest challenges, like on a day to day operational perspective, you know, for the business. Yeah, there, there's a lot. You know, so we're we're out there touching hundreds of cars a day, and 
you know, so, so managing the growth. So we're growing 150%. So managing that kind of growth is hard. Um, and the one thing I've always had a ton of uh, respect for is brands like that are national, like a Starbucks. You know, I can go to Starbucks Raleigh and then LA and then Berlin and China and it's largely the same experience. It's, you know, the, the Venti's a little bit of a different size in different countries, but it tastes the same. Um, and, you know, that, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. So, you know, we, we always, you know, because we're growing so fast, we always struggle with consistency. We want, we want you know, we have a wash called a Spiffy and Shine. And the Spiffy and Shine in every five markets should be the same. Um, so we're always working on processes and procedures to, to really have this kind of consistently very high bar across all of our areas. And we spend a lot of time on that. And that's, that's probably the hardest part of this is, is, you know, I have the, I always respected what Starbucks was able to do there. I probably have 10 X that respect because it is, it is very hard to deliver very consistent customer experience. Yeah. The franchise kind of model, make it consistent across the franchise model. Uh, and I'm getting the employees to do that <laughs> consistently across the model. And now you deal with people. Right, which is uh, an, another challenge. I'm assuming always most businesses have challenges finding the best staff, um, which is you know to to uh, serve customers in the best way, uh, which is a challenge. You know, uh, getting the, the you know the best type of people to work for you is is at least and securing customers obviously, <laughs> you know as well, and, and and the growth. At least that's been our experience. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, lightning round of questions. Uh, uh, for you, so yeah, I want to uh, throw them out uh, real quick. Um, Android or Apple? Uh, both. Okay. Yes. La la laptop, desktop, iPad, or Chromebook? Uh, I have all. <laughs> Your technology guy here. Uh, I choose. I choose Mac in that that one. I'll, I'll give you Mac on that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, coffee, tea, or soda? Uh, no soda. I've kind of knocked out soda. I kind of, uh, you know, I, I was a uh, diet Coke fiend. So I had to kind of like stop that. Once you have one, you can't stop. So, uh, I would say coffee. Coffee. Okay. Uh, when you're reading your books in your newspaper, do you like the physical copy or you want them on a digital reader? I've gone, I, you know, uh, I like Kindle on the iPad and I've been digital for probably 10 years. Okay. Barbecue East or West. Uh, South Carolina mustard. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. Or Texas. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm from South Carolina. I got you. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, uh, beach or mountains? Uh, both. Depends on the season. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably beach if I had to choose, but enjoy it. You know, the beautiful thing about being in North Carolina is we can get to both. So why, why choose? Uh, that's, that's fine. Uh, so that, so that would go with hot weather or cold. Definitely hot weather. <laughs> yeah. I'm from uh, South Carolina. So not a cold weather person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how do you, how do you online Scott? When, you, when you're not, you know, obviously, obviously you're, you're chairman of executive chairman of a channel. You're probably most of your time is probably at Spiffy, I would suppose. Uh, so, how are you unwinding? What do you do to pull back? Yeah, so I have three kids, so spending time with kids is always my number one activity. Um, and then, if they're uh, busy doing their thing, uh, I'm a big sci-fi fan. So, I, I'm a, uh, if you I think you follow me on social media, you've probably seen me talk about Star Wars. I'm a bit of a Star Wars fanatic. Um, so, 
uh, like to spend time in the Star Wars universe whenever possible. Um, yeah, those are, uh, you know, I'm, uh, pretty much a super geek. Those are not a lot of, uh, you know, playing football or basketball or any of that kind of stuff for me. Don't run marathons, none of that stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if you could be anywhere right now, today, money and time is not an issue, where would you be? Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Raleigh, so I would probably say that's a high bar. So I'd probably want to go somewhere tropical. I've, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii and never been there, so I'll go to Hawaii in this mythical world. Oh, <laughs> that, that's great. Uh, and last thing, question for me, more personal. Do you wear a wristwatch? I do. I have an um, Apple Watch. Gotcha. Back to the technology team. <laughs> well, listen, Scott, it's been, it's been great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, some of your time with us and uh, sharing about uh, Spiffy and the great things you were doing there. It sounds exciting. Uh, I know, obviously, uh, a lot of people are betting on the success of the organization just based upon your background, and uh, you're a winning horse, so to speak. Uh, so, you know, we're behind you and, uh, you know, and, and excited and watching you on social media and what's happening across the country, and we're, we're, we're optimistic you're going to be extremely successful based on your, on your track record, man. Um, you know, we, we thank you for uh, sharing some time with us. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Uh, always good to talk to you. Um, if, if folks are interested in learning more, uh, our, uh, you can go to the App Store and just search for Spiffy, S-P-I-F-F-Y, or our website is getspiffy.com. Um, and then, uh, as you mentioned, I'm pretty active on social media. So on Twitter, I'm Scott Wingo, and it's uh, one T on Scott, C-O-T-W-I-N-G-O, uh, and would love to connect with people on um, LinkedIn as well. So I uh, look forward to meeting uh, folks that listen or watch the, the podcast. Thanks so much, sir. All the best to you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you too, sir. Bye-bye.